Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Cast, well, the regular cast will say, uh, for the first time in a while, uh, I'm of course Nick Bumgarner along with Colton Pouncey. Colton, how are we doing? Back from uh, off last week, and I don't think we had a show the week before, but uh, in, any, in any event, how are we doing here? Doing good. Appreciate you uh, covering for me the last oh, yeah, couple totally. weeks or so here. Uh, had some, some personal matters to attend to, but um, we're back. Been at Lions Camp. Been watching everything and Many days uh, got a lot there, of thoughts. Though. So uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, so we have a lot to discuss uh, and a lot to go through. As you learn a lot in the first week of pads, especially. Um, but I wanted to start. Excuse me, coughing here. I wanted to start with the big topic that you know has now uh, you know now that he's back out there and in pads, <coughs> it's one that really can't be ignored. Jameson Williams. Yep. Who, you know. <clears throat> People's reactions about him online and on Twitter are interesting uh, for a number of reasons, and some of those people include people that I guess we'll, we'll, we'll call in the media now. They're part of the media, people who are just there on websites or uh, radio, just pop in from time be, to time, who really don't, you know, are just sort of like it's the fan, the fan media, I guess, is where the, a lot of that comes from where a lot of the tracking of this guy's personal life gets, like, you know, blown into, you know, that's not something that you're reading in the standard media outlets that cover the football team properly. In any event, it is a thing. Well, how much of it, though? I don't think that you're reading it from from the beat writers. I don't think you're reading it, I should say. No. That's not that's fair. Some of it is in is is has leaked in. And that's of course I would disagree with that too. I wasn't totally up to speed on all of the we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I think most of it I think most of it yeah, has yeah. been from, you know or, a I think it's more just people just dropping in and then trying to have a hot take yeah, and then and, and, and he's but, a you know. and, and and he's a hot name, so people are gonna write about him and and the other part of that is is there is a question about whether or not, you know, he's gonna perform and all this, like because we just, you know, haven't seen it. Um, for all the context and all the reasons. So I've laid all that out on the table, people freaking out constantly. Um, and as I said before, I don't blame any Lions fans for freaking out about anything. Um, I do think a lot of this is un- unjust and unwarranted, and I think it's also something that we just kind of now see with every first-round pick that the Lions have. Uh, I've been around yeah. the team now for I don't, a while, a couple years, several uh, a handful now, and it was like that with every guy. Um, Okuda, of course, it didn't work. Aiden did work. Um, Sewell, not as much, but I can recall there was a couple people complaining early on that they were using him wrong and all this, and he should be a left tackle. He's not going to be able to play right. I mean, it was just constant panic. And this guy, Jameson, hasn't gotten on the field, which has led to even more of it. So I said the other day on Twitter, I thought it was fan-driven. Somebody was like, I think it's media-driven. And I was like, well, I think we're probably talking about the same thing. But either way, Colton, your thoughts on the whole whole thing, it's a little bit of both. Uh, and and where you sit on Jameson after his first week here uh, in pads? Yeah, look, I think 
you know, people care because at the end of the day, Lions fans want to want to see a good team. Um, and it finally feels like they're doing things the right way and they're building the roster the right way. When you see guys like Panay Sewell and Aiden Hutchinson hitting, you get a little greedy and you're like, all right, those two yeah. hit. What else can we get? Um, you know, Gibbs and Laporte, uh, Gibbs and uh, Jack Campbell, I should say. People are watching them too. Um, but I think when you're building this roster and you're looking at the pieces that Brad Holmes has been acquiring and, and kind of fielding on this roster, you know, you want a guy like JMO to hit because he is such a dynamic talent and he's a guy that can, you know, if he reaches his potential, will be a stud in the NFL, will help you win a lot of football games. And I think that's what a lot of people want to see, right? Like it's mm-hmm. Lions fans are a loyal bunch and they've been waiting patiently for a good team that can compete year, year in and year out. And I think... That's why all these first-round picks under this regime, when it finally feels like they're doing it the right way, might be under more microscope than maybe some past regimes, uh, where you have maybe one or two first-round picks hitting and then a lot of busts here and there. So people get, people are getting greedy, and I think they should have that mindset. Mm-hmm. They should say, well, we want all these first-round picks to hit so we can have this yeah. good team. And that includes JMO. And for JMO specifically, you know, we've had to be patient with him because he had the ACL injury. He, wasn't a, he didn't have an offseason last year in his rookie year. We didn't really see him until late in the year, like December. Um, and even when he did play, I think he was targeted eight times, had one catch, and like that was it. And then you're like, all right, so what's next? And there were a lot of expectations going into year two. Then he has a gambling thing. And so it's yeah. like he's going to miss a lot of football in his first two years. And I think naturally that leads to some questions like, well, what is he going to be when he comes back on the field from his suspension? Um, is he still going to be the dynamic piece? How's he performing? So there are a lot of questions. There are a lot of people wanting to see what he's doing in training camp. I think that's all fair and valid. Mm -hmm. My thing is you have to be patient with a player like this because JMO had really one season of college football where he was the guy, the target on his team. That was at Alabama, um, had a great season his last year there, got drafted, um, and really last year, again, he missed so much time. So you have to be patient. You have to kind of give him a chance to – get his feet wet in the NFL. And he hasn't really had that time yet. This is his first real off season. So when I'm out there watching him, I always keep that in mind. I feel like it, other people may have, you know, a tougher time having that mindset for whatever reason. Um, but he is under my microscope. Yeah. And when I do watch him out there, you see some of the mistakes, you see like some mental errors, like the routine drops that he should be catching in like these wide receiver drills um, that they keep harping on him for. Uh, but then you go out in a scrimmage setting and, He's blazing down the field uh, and catching these 20-yard passes and getting down and tossing the ball back and getting back in the huddle to do it all over again. And you're like, all right, yeah, that's that's the vision here. So right. a little bit of a mixed bag for J-Mo. Um, this time is really important for him, though. So <laughs> just got to let it play out, I think. My my reaction, uh, I'll just be – I'll lay my whole thing out. Like the thing that I've talked with you about, I don't think we've talked about it much on the show. But like my thing, when I went into this year privately in my head, I was like, okay – um, you know, after the suspension, it was like, okay, he's going to have to now max out like everything that everything, right. That, that he has for the rest of the spring and summer or whatever it was at that point. And I think at that point we were too close to mini camp, right. Probably, or maybe it was even in mini camp, uh, or whatever to, for anything to really change. And I thought to myself, okay, well, he's got, you know, a month or, you know, maybe six weeks, from then until camp starts, like I would like to see him show up in like bigger, stronger, you know, body, you know, everything. I was disappointed that he wasn't bigger in the spring. I guess, you know, they probably knew about 
I didn't, they absolutely knew about the gambling. You know, maybe that's way on his mind. Maybe that whatever. That's been my disappointment, I suppose. In any event, that he didn't add more weight. That was my only disappointment with him in the spring. And then when we get into camp, I think everything else was fine. We get into camp, and I say I see him immediately with a hamstring injury. So I think to myself, okay, right away on like the first day of pads, and he misses the first day two, maybe it was three. I don't remember. It was might not have been three, um, but he was out there on Monday. I think was his first go. So I'm like, when they miss the first day, when a kid misses the first day of pads, and for him, this is this this is his first training camp. He did not have one last year. Anything he did last year in practice was like specialty. They There's just no way they were going to bring him up to speed. So this is it. And if you miss your first day or two or week, you go ask Derek Barnes how that works out, or any of these guys in their rookie season who really needed it and then suddenly you're missing the first like four days of install when pads are on and you're perpetually behind. And I was just like in my head, I'm like, this is what's going to happen to him. This is what's going to happen. He's going to miss these days. Blah, blah, you know, We're going to keep seeing this. And then he showed up on Monday. And I know a lot of people did focus on the times that he got beat. But he also won his share of reps. And he won them in impressive fashion on Monday. I thought Monday was a super encouraging day for Jamison Williams and if you're the Lions. Because he, that was, I would, I thought that was a pretty physical practice. I don't know if it was the most they've had this year, but we were out there that day. I thought, you know, the heat wasn't horrible, but they were hitting and it was legit. And he went through the whole thing and didn't back down. He had the two fights, which I don't think is a problem. Um, you know, anything else beyond that, the drops, whatever. I mean, he's got to work on some stuff, but he also won a lot of reps. He made some plays through that big block, was into every drill. And, you know, competed right to the end and was fine. And so when I saw that, I was like, okay, now I'm not as concerned about... I'm still concerned, right? Because we just don't know what this guy's going to do. But I'm not as concerned necessarily as I was because I just, for myself, I needed to see him go out there and do something like that. And he did. And he's done it all week, really. It's We're sitting here on Thursday and... Or Friday, really. Well, I guess we're going on the other day on Friday. And he did it all week, right? I mean, he had a good week of practice in pads, um, and he just kept going. Just And then right now, I said somebody the other day, I was like, he just needs to stack day after day and then week after week and never leave the field. Never leave the field. And that right now is what's happening, and I think that's all very good. Yeah, you know, I, I spent all of uh, kind of Wednesday just following JMO around, kind of stalking him, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so Love that. Got my steps in following that dude back and forth. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I... I wrote that story in an attempt to kind of just paint the full picture for those that, you know, haven't made it out to camp or those mm-hmm. that do have lingering questions about JMO, which I think are fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched like a full practice, what he did from start to finish. Um, during Campbell's press conference, apparently, you know, I was in the media room, but he was out there with Randall L. One fan kind of said that in the comment section, which was I thought was cool. He was working on some some hand stuff, which they said that he needs to work on. So yeah, uh, working with Randall L. a little bit one-on-one before practice started. Um, you know, they go through their receiver drills uh, around 830. Um, well, I guess, yeah, right. you know, they start off with some walkthrough stuff and then they get to the receiver drills and break yeah, it out for that. Individual, yeah. So I was, yeah. So I was watching the individual stuff a lot with him. And here's what I'll say. I, I don't think he's as engaged as he should be um, in those individual drills. Yeah. Uh, I think he kind of maybe goes through the motions a little bit, which, you know, he's a young player. Not everyone is wired the same way as, you know, an Amir Ross. That's like correct. That dude. That's correct. I think Lions fans need to realize that he's just different. Like yep, there aren't many guys in the NFL, let alone yeah, the Lions. They don't have any other rookies. are wired yeah, they, that way. 
the Lions don't have right? any other guy like that. So like no, that's you like, know. <laughs> yeah, even Khalif no. Raymond the other day, I think, told the guys like, yeah, I come out here after practice for like and I stay in like an extra forty five minutes just to try to compete with Saint and I just can't. Yeah. He's just You're there. not gonna be able to hang in. Yeah. You're gonna have to no. Go so if you're Take trying to, <laughs> right, <laughs> he won't last. So if you're trying to compare JMO to St. Brown, that's where you're getting it wrong because JMO is JMO. JMO is not Amara St. Brown. Mm-hmm. He's his own player. He needs to mature at his own level, and he needs to do things his way. And it, it, he could probably still be a really good player if he does things his way. It doesn't have to. Not everyone has to be wired the same way as Amara St. Brown. Same time. He does look like he's kind of going through the motions there. And I think that's what caused some of these drops. Um, he's just kind of going half speed in some of these drills. Uh, led, they, they had one drill where you kind of run the hitch route. You turn up field. You take some contact with the coach with the pad. Kind of hit him like a like pillow, fu- pillow fight style is what I wrote. Right. Um, yeah. And I think on the first time JMO did that, upon contact from the, from the pad, he dropped the ball. And then he hopped back in line to do it again. Second time was good. There's another drill, kind of the same thing. Uh, he dropped it before the pad even hit him and then had to hop back in line and do it again. So it's, it's stuff like that where if you're just only watching that, you're like, oh, man, what is this guy doing? He's not even wired the right way. He's, he's not finishing these drills. He's not going hard. And I guess to some extent, like, there is some some valid criticism there. I think he, it's mm-hmm. something that he probably needs to work on. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, in between every drill, and this is one of my major takeaways, in between every single drill, Jamo's in Randall L's ear. He's talking to Ben Johnson. He's talking to St. Brown. He's talking to Cleve Raymond. He's talking to Marvin Jones. He's talking to Nate Sudfeld. He's talking to Jared Goff. Literally, in between every single period they did, he would seek someone out, and he would ask them something. He would ask them a question. Ask, he was working on technique with Marv. Like, he knows that he has these veterans that he can talk to, and it's it's good to see him being the one seeking these guys out. And sometimes they'll come over to him, too. But more often than not, it's Jamos, like, finding someone, the closest guy next to me, and, like, you could tell he's just like, so was I doing that right? Were my hands in the my hand placement, ball placement? Is that what you wanted? You know, he's talking to the quarterbacks. He's talking to Randall L about technique. Like, mm-hmm. he wants to get better. Oh yeah. And then you see him, and you go out, and, and he performs in these you know seven on seven situations, eleven on eleven. That's where the competitive fire that we see, that's where it really shines. I think he's just way more engaged when he has like a defender in front of him. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. he wants Absolutely. to win every rep when he's live. I think that's the, sort of the difference with JMO. Like. That 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 fire gets ignited when he is in a, when there's a defender in front of him that he knows he can blow past, and I think he loves that challenge. And that's something that's you wish it was there all the time. Yeah. It's not always there, but it is there. And I think so. When you get to like a game situation, just let him get these reps. That's why you saw him maybe a little upset, and you know when he wasn't getting the ball last year, even when he wasn't playing, he was on the sidelines, like ready to fight anyone when he was in street clothes if they like not like hit one of his guys the wrong way. Like right. he loves football. That competitive fire is there the entire time mm-hmm. uh, when he's like in these 11 on 11 situations. Uh, so that's what I see. The combination of him asking for help and trying to get better on the side when he gets in these situations, the flip kind of switches and he's like, all right, it's go time. That's what I was looking for. And I saw that when I was watching him for a yeah. full two hour practice. I think that what you're describing really is he needs to learn how to become a professional football player, which all rookies go through at different paces. And the thing to remember, on top of everything Colton just said, is Jamison Williams' college fo- his entire football career has included one season, one season of serious football, right? He was a he goes to Ohio State out of high school, and he falls to the bottom of that depth chart, which was like ridiculous, which was one of the one of the most talented, you know, receiver rooms that's ever existed, you know, in the last, certainly in a generation, I'd say. 
Uh, it's up there. And, you know, we can make, I wasn't there. You, we weren't there. We don't know why he fell to the bottom of that, of that list, but I think we could probably make a safe guess that the other guys who we've seen that have come out, Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, some of these guys, like they are total technicians. They don't waste any time. And so that's probably what happened. If I have to take a gamble and guess of why, why did Jamison leave? Why didn't he climb to the top of that ladder? It wasn't because he wasn't talented. I would bet it's because those other guys who were generational outworked him and out-techniqued him, and he just had to figure something out. So he goes to Bama, right? One year, one year at Bama, proves himself, and I assume that his work at Bama was, he's like, he's locked in every day. Bama doesn't play now. Let's be, right? let's be real. Bama does and not play. No, and I assume that, and so this is what I'm, I'm getting at, because I get a lot of questions, and I've had my own questions of how could the Lions staff who's done such a good job of getting to know every single thing about these kids, their work ethic, they're not surprised by anything. How does it feel like they're surprised by Jameson? And sometimes it kind of feels like they can't figure him out, right? Like, how does it feel like they can't figure him out? And I go back to that. I say that the context for Jameson was the year at Alabama, the year that you saw, the year that everybody, you know, likely scouted the hell out of him, he was locked and loaded. It was like, it was prove it time for him. And it probably wasn't a lot of dancing around in line or screwing around. It probably was, let's go. And, you know, I think that he needs to get probably back to some of that. And maybe it needs to just elevate more, right? Maybe that's what that, maybe he was, maybe before it was even worse. I don't know. But I think that that's probably the process that's happening here is like a kid who has to get back to the prove it mindset. You know, you were a draft pick. They rode with you. You were probably nervous last year more than you were ready. If I'm, if we're totally honest, I'm just not. I don't care what he says. He can say anything yeah. he wants and like have any act of toughness that he wants. He was probably as nervous as he was like ready to play. Like that's just what the whole season was. I'm sure for him. Now you can get back to that. That's what you want to see. And in the team periods, you're right, Colton. Like that's exactly what we have seen. Um, is a guy who wants to prove it. Every day, I'm fascinated to see next week against the Giants. What's he going to look like? Right? Like, are, uh, is he going to fight? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. But like, <laughs> now we get to see that because that was our original thing, right? It was like, okay, when they get to these practices, he has to be like a dude out there, like beating their best guys. We've seen him beat a couple of Lions' best guys who are now are actually good players. So I, I'm encouraged. I'm more encouraged than I was when camp started on Jameson Williams. I'll say that. Uh, you know, the, the curve is what it is. I'm not expecting him to walk in there in week seven and light the world on fire, but I also like the additions that they've made. I like Mims. We've talked about this. They have a lot of receivers in camp right now that can play. They're going to be cutting some receivers that are pretty good. So I like I like, I like like the situation better than I did at receiver in general, I would say, probably even too, uh, before the game too. started. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I watched J-Mo. J-Mo's best play of uh, the practice I watched him was – he was in seven on sevens. He was lined up against uh, Cam Sutton. That was the very first play of seven on sevens. Mm-hmm. I just watched him. He was talking to Goff about something maybe two minutes before the seven on seven period. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, I wonder what they're talking about. Jamal gets out there, first play, absolutely wins at the at, at the line of scrimmage with his release over Cam Sutton, who was a good cornerback. Oh, yeah. The best cornerback sure. on the team. Absolutely cooks him, creates instant like three, four yards of separation. He's running downfield. You, you're like, all right, yeah, Goff's loading up. Drops it, bomb. Jamo catches it, kind of rolls to the ground. He had so much space that he like had to kind of die for it, roll to the ground, and kind of rolled into the end zone. That's how much separation he had 
on Cam Sutton. <laughs> and he gets off the ground, immediately throws the ball high up in the air and starts running around the field. Kind of like his first career touchdown in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, where he's just, he's just running around the sidelines, like dapping everyone up. And they were – and one, I guess one of my takeaways that I didn't include in the story, everyone was, like, pumped for him. Like, of course. These guys care about – like, C.J. Gardner-Johnson was dapping him up. Ben, I think Ben Johnson – might have run over to him. For like, sure. Yeah. These guys want to see him succeed because they love J-Mo as a dude and they th- they see the potential on the field. Like He's a good Gard- guy. A guy like Gardner Johnson saying that he can be one of the best receivers in football, I wouldn't – I don't think that's just talk. I know he likes to talk. I wouldn't – like I don't think he would say that unless he actually truly mm-hmm. believed it. Um, yeah, I agree. So we'll see, man. Like he's got some work to do. We all know that. But you got to have some patience here. And we've been saying that for a while, but you do start to see it a little bit in these practices. And I think he's – making a little bit of some strides here. He is a good kid, I think, who is a kid, more important, most yep. importantly. And he's still a kid, and he's just got to grow up. I think that, the, you know, you don't want him to lose his exuberance and all that, but, I mean, it's just there is a work ethic and a consistency of day in, day out that sort of has to be there. The, you know, you mentioned the play that you saw Wednesday, the one that I, I don't know if you were down there, the one on Monday where he got Gardner Johnson was ridiculous. Like, the it was a red zone route. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was 11 on, yeah, it was 11 on 11, I believe. Uh, and uh, it was a double move, and he had CJ on the ground before he finished his double move. Like, And there was no contact. He yeah. literally juked him to the ground. Yeah. And the problem was, you know, it's double move, then he breaks up. He broke in, the ball goes out to the opposite pylon. I don't know, my guess is, and I can't even remember if it was Goff or Sudfeld or even Martinez throwing the ball. My guess, based on knowing Jamison's history with some of this, is that he ran the wrong route. And he broke inside when he <laughs> was supposed sort of to break out. Though, right? But, yeah. my God, he was so, there was no one in the end zone. Like, that's what, that's how open he was. CJ was on the ground, yeah. it was man coverage, and there was no one there. And it was just like, oh, they couldn't, you know, it was one of those things. That bang, bang, it's in the red zone. But, like. Yeah. That's that that was that. And I immediately had people being like, Well, what the hell's wrong? And I'm like, why did he catch it? And I'm like, you're not focusing on the right thing here. The right the thing to focus on Guys, it's is there. That, yeah. It's there. It's all there. He has it. We were out there the day that he threw that big block for Gibbs, another guy who has yeah, it, I think. Yep. It's in there. And I think that like that's the that's sort of the thing that I go back to where it's like the Lions took a chance on Jameson Williams, certainly. A gamble. Anybody drafting him was taking a gamble simply based on the injury. But if you go more than that, he was a gamble prospect even before he hurt himself. If you really follow the draft, you go all the way back to the start of that, uh, when he beat the hell out of uh, uh, Georgia in the SEC title game that year. That's That was where everybody started to realize, oh my God, this is you know, look at this guy. And, and he, he was cooking Keely Ringo. Right. Yeah. Even then, if you'd talk to like Dane or, or somebody like that, he would he would tell you, like, man, this guy looks like the one of, if not the most talented receivers in this class, which is an amazing receiver class. However, it's he's stacked up against everybody else. It's one year. It's one year. We have literally one year of evidence on anything with this guy. He wasn't getting any valuable reps at Ohio State at all his first two years. He just sat there, more or less. And so one year. That's all you're getting. And when you talk to scouts, the first thing they bring up, it's even more than the traits, is like, what is your historical context as a player? What is your, what have you done? And if it's one year, it's going to make the risk that much higher. And that's what's happened here. And, you know, it is a risk. Uh, It's not, and I, I think that there are certain people that 
were struggling with that early where there was a lot of talk that like, well, it's not, he wasn't a risk. He's a no doubter. Jameson's a no doubter. And it's like, well, no, he is not a no doubter. It was no. a risk and it was a risk before the injury and he still has to prove it. The talent is, is undeniable, but he is not a no doubt. He is not what Garrett Wilson was or what Olave was, in my opinion. Yep. Like, we yeah, knew, or you should have known if you watched those boys, <laughs> especially Garrett, my God, like, you should have known that that was happening. That's not what we saw with Jameson. We saw flashes of, like, explosive, all this great stuff, but it's a different story, and that is the thing that you lose in these little snippets, like you were saying, Colton, like, when you just focus on the end of one route, or he didn't drop this in a drill, or whatever it is. You have to look at the full picture with this guy, understand that it was a risk, but also understand that it was one that they really did deem worth taking. And, you know, the hard part now is they're up against it, and it's like he's going to have to prove it, plus you got the suspension. So, I don't know. But I did say that it, the rest of the group, the receiver group, um, your thoughts on this? Because it's – I like where they're at here with the whole – with the whole, and I am impressed by it. It's, it's been impressive because uh, every addition it feels like they brought in has been okay here. Yeah, I think it's starting to come together. Uh, I had questions about their depth uh, after their Jameis suspension and after the draft when they didn't really, you know, add a premium wide receiver in that draft, um, which, like, they didn't have to do. But I was wondering if they would target someone a little higher than the seventh round, like right. Antoine Green. They didn't get Hopkins. I'm like, all right, so I still feel like they could use a body or two here, and we'll see how it goes. And they add Denzel Mims, <clears throat> who I thought during the scrimmage, which we'll talk a little bit later, I thought he had a really good day. Um he just looks the part of oh, a yeah. solid X He's receiver. So, yeah, six three, you know, four three seven. I three, love him. 40, He's so, I think he so. You liked him a lot yeah, in twenty twenty, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's great, great athlete. Yeah. So if he can come along, he'll. He's probably maybe wide receiver five. Look at the guys in front. You know, Jameis most have been repping with the second team, but I think that's mm-hmm. more of an effort to get the guys that will be out there for week one on the field together, more mm-hmm. so than like anything about Jamo. So you see, St. Brown looks like he's taking this game to another level, which is insane. Oh my God. Uh, if you're listening to this, the Lions tweet out a clip of a touchdown he caught in like ridiculous traffic uh, during the scrimmage yesterday. Um, I don't know how he caught that. He was like on his knees, had to reach away from his body and hauled it in. Like I think Derek Barnes was next to him, like about to take his head off. And he catches it, stands up, and punts the ball like 30 feet in the air. <laughs> he keeps doing that. That's hilarious. Yeah, he keeps doing that. <laughs> And I'm just like, this guy's even better. He's catching jump balls on the outside. He's winning these routes downfield. He's doing stuff over the middle. He's yep. using his, he's, his hands look ridiculous. It's like, is he going to be even better than last year? Because he was really good last year. I thought that might be close to his ceiling, but I don't even want to put a ceiling on this dude at this point. Like, it seems like with, <laughs> as long as Goff is here throwing him the ball, their chemistry is like unmatched, maybe in the NFL. Like, so, yeah, I agree. It's really <laughs> we'll good. We'll see. It's, it's up there in terms of pass catchers and quarterbacks. Um, so he looks great. Uh, I mean, Khalif Raymond, he's been filling in as a starter. Uh, some of that might just have to do with, you know, Marv was out for a little bit on the NFI, NFI list. He's working his way back, but they like Khalif a lot. And I think he was a line second leading receiver last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, golf trusts him. Josh Reynolds is still out there doing his thing. Um, talked about Mims, um, you know, a UDFA that's kind of making some waves here. Dylan Drummond, pride of, uh, Eastern that's Michigan. Right. Uh, He's, He's getting really some reps with the second team. I think he may, maybe got a few first-team reps you know, here and there. So he's a guy that's coming along. That I guess they're really kind of pleased with both, his progression here. Both the USFL guys, I thought, have looked – Monday they looked good. Or Alexander yep. looked amazing. And then Maurice Alexander. Trey, Trey Knox, is it? Yeah, I think. 
yeah, Trey something. Trey. Oh, he, he looked Trey something. he looked sharp too. He made a couple nice plays. Yeah, so like their depth is at wide receiver mm-hmm. is looking pretty good. Even the second team guys, um, you know, Trey Benson, uh, he went down with a, with a bit of an injury, but he was looking good before before that too. So you're kind of watching this group, and you're like, all right, they're gonna have some t- tough cuts here. If you're trying to go into the season with five receivers, assuming JMO, you know, he's gonna be suspended. Yeah, I think your top five are, at this point are probably. St. Brown, Khalif, Josh, Reynolds, Marv, and I would say Mims just because they traded yeah, for that him. That seems right. Probably want to see what right. they can get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good group right there. I think that's it is. You can make it six weeks with that group. Jamal comes back. You got Laporta and Gibbs to help out as pass catchers. That's I think exactly. that's enough with the offensive coordinator like Ben Johnson to kind of figure things out. I think you can get through six games like that. It's much better than it what it could have been because they did they did find the answer with the true X in there, what Mims. And I think that you can work yeah. him in and, and not have to overload him and keep take take it slow with him, right? Um, and all that sort of thing. But St. Brown, I was gonna say, like, it's gotten to a point where it almost feels like he's bored. <laughs> he's gotten so good he's bored <laughs> out there or whatever, like where some of these one-on-one drills, after he just destroys somebody, he'll stand up and be like, "Is this all you guys have? Like, can you get me something? Like one of these like pro wrestlers? Can you get me a real challenger here? Like that's what he. <laughs> yeah. It's like how he walks around out there. Like it's. I mean, he he looks like he's ready to. Campbell talked about Sewell being on a mission. I feel like he's on one right there, and I feel like I saw the um, NFL 100 was out uh, this past week, right? I think this that's when uh, St. Brown's on yeah. it. So he's on he's it, like but he's 60s, like 67 or something. I'm like, well, he's going to be pissed yeah. about that. He is going to yep. be red hot about that. And I'm sure he is. Uh, I don't know if he's been asked about it, but I'm sure he's absolutely livid about it. And we saw him drop a couple passes on the one day, and he was like furious. <laughs> on Monday, he yeah. dropped like two of them, and he like lost. It was he told like, okay. it ruined his day. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was just, just like destroyed his whole day, the whole thing. Yeah, he his focus level feels like it's even somehow better than it's ever been, or at least he's gotten to a point where the game has slowed down for him at a level where now it's like at like he can pause it if he wants. That's almost what it feels like. You know what I mean? Like it's really on. Yeah. He feels he's like he's about to take off. There. Yeah, right. I agree yeah. with that completely. Poor uh, Thomas. I think he wanna. Yeah. He, he was matched up against St. Brown in like a little one on one route. St. Brown goes up and get it. Uh, Starling Thomas fell to the ground and he just like stayed proud of him and yeah. was like what what are you going to do it's like what the hell who are you putting on me right now like, no. stop it stop playing with me <laughs> everybody even CJ and those guys like you know having because he's so yeah. physical and I think that that's the difference is like he's so physically confident and he has no speaking of that before we go to the break and we'll talk some about the scrimmage uh, and then some of the other guys on defense maybe but Gibbs um, Gibbs got Lit up on Monday by uh, CJ in a Oof. team period. That was like one of the coolest yes, hits <laughs> we have seen, and the whole crowd lost its mind and went. It was such a cool thing. And CJ I was talk, talking to I us. Was, <laughs> yeah, I was talking to some people there. I'm like, this that has not been at Lions camp in a many a year. We have not seen energy like that in a long time. But neither here nor there. Gibbs gets up, gets back in there, and then like I don't know, ten minutes later, he busted that fifty yarder. That I don't know where Brad yes, Holmes sir. was standing when that happened, but I'll bet his smile was uh, ear to ear because that was Brad probably exactly, shed a tear on that. <laughs> yes, that was exactly what you are looking for. From if that was live, that was a touchdown. If that was live. Yeah. That was that would have been a seventy-five yard touchdown on what we've talked about all offseason. Lions ran like in a power or counter or something between the tackles gap play that opened up. He got his ass to the middle of the field 
and they were all like, we're done. What do we do? And he just yes. like, and then he just took off and then nobody knew anything. And it was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like that was all of it right there in one rep. I thought it was yeah. really picked, cool to picked see. Picked up a yeah. block from J-Mo. And he got one, the J-Mo block too, but really. man, he was scoring everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was at the yeah. corner and it was like, my God, there it goes. And I think he could be what they want. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We saw those holes open so many times last year, and then it would just go for like four or five yards instead of 50, which it should have been. And that's Mm -hmm. what Ben Johnson told us in February. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, it was like, we got to turn some of these runs in in the 9, 10, and then some of these home runs, home run hits. Right. um, Which we didn't see. And so that's why everyone that's confused why they have a new running back duo, it's for that exact reason. They're trying to maximize just not, not only the talent of the offensive line, probably some of the resources that they poured into this group. Exactly, the money. first round picks and financial commitments. Like, you got to maximize that. And the way you do that is with running backs that can see a hole, know what to do in the open space, can break a tackle, make guys miss, and turn those yards into, you know, big gains. And so that's what you saw on that play. And that's why 100%. Brad Holmes probably shed a tear, as, yep. as you mentioned, on, on that and uh, it's good to see. You know, it hasn't been a ton it's, of that. I think the defense has been holding its own for the most part, which is also playing really well. We'll talk about yeah, that in a minute. Um, but I think that's going to be a, a consistent theme this year. Like some of those big gains on the runs, um, guys like Gibbs and and Dave Montgomery doing their things in open field. So it's a beautiful thing to watch when you're out there. That's it, that, that's football at its core, right? <laughs> it is, and this is how you should look at it. And we'll go to the break after this. If you're like a casual football fan, you're a basketball fan, maybe like. If you are playing with Steph Curry or a shooter like that or a creator like that, and you are a perimeter player, you, you have to be able to shoot the basketball or you cannot play with that guy, correct? Like you're not on the yeah. team. If you can't shoot, you're not on the team because your job is to stand out there in the space created and make the biggest you know, point gain we can have possible. That yeah. equals what the Lions running backs are to their offensive line. The offensive line sure. is Steph yep. Curry – and whoever you want to call him. Or like and LeBron, backs, surrounding LeBron Or shooters. like LeBron, right. And the yeah. backs are the shooters, and they have to be dead-eye, knocked down. You have to chunk it. It cannot be just, we're going to matriculate the ball down the field. No. The way you run the ball in the NFL and get away with it and get over all the analytical hurdles is you have to have home runs. You have to have guys that flip the field and make chaos and turn easy, you know, home runs create easy passes. You watch the 49ers, they've been doing it forever. It's just how it works. And so now, as anybody who's been out there could see it. Montgomery's the same way. He's made people miss and hit holes at a different confidence level and speed than anybody we have seen in the past two years in training camp. I think that it speaks for itself so far, what we've seen. I'm curious to see how it continues. But we'll take a break here. And on the other side, Colton will come back. We'll talk about the scrimmage and a little bit about the defense as well. All right, everybody, we're back. Talking Lions training camp. Uh, scrimmage time. This was the uh, first scrimmage before uh, Lions go play the Giants, or have the Giants in next week, I should say, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, Colton will be out there for the whole shebang. I don't know if I'm be able to be able to be out there Tuesday, but for sure, I think I'm going to try to get out there Wednesday and Thursday. It's just three days, right? They don't, they're not doing four. Yeah, just three. I guess um, yeah. But in any event, the, they're going to probably take it slow here until that happens, I would think. Today was a walkthrough with not much going on. Uh, thir- they hit quite a bit this week, though. Thursday was an actual scrimmage. What uh, what stood out to you? What were you mentioned earlier? The defense had been playing really well, uh, and they had, I would think, th- throughout those uh, first couple weeks camp. What uh, what you see from the scrimmage? Yeah, you know, 
I was kind of watching. The first thing I was watching were was the defensive pecking order and the offensive pecking order because I thought, mm-hmm. you know, this is probably the closest thing they've had to like a live scrimmage uh, type setting. You know, they're not doing the thing at Ford Field because I think SummerSlam got in the way of that. And oh, so yeah. <laughs> Are you going to SummerSlam by the way? Uh, no, I can't. No, I couldn't make it work, okay. and that's fine. I got other stuff to do. I got you. <laughs> um, yeah, they had to kind of pivot, and so they, I think they chose to kind of make their live scrimmage, whatever they want to call it, call it uh, yesterday. And so that was actually pretty cool to see. And I was looking at, starting with the defense. I'm looking around this defense, man. I'm like, they're very versatile right now. They can try to a whole bunch of different lineups and plug in a whole bunch of different dudes and feel pretty good about it. So the first lineup that I saw, I believe it had Aiden Hutchinson and Charles Harris on the edge, Ali McNeil in the middle. The other guy not lined up to McNeil at defensive tackle. Josh Paschal. There it is. Which is something that we wanted to see. Uh, he's mm-hmm. got that inside-out versatility. So that was your front four there. The two linebackers were Alex Anzalone and Jack Campbell, mm-hmm. who has pretty much taken first-team reps like the last five, six days. Um, he's yep. usually the first one out there. I think he's <laughs> closing in on winning that job. Yeah, that's is, happening. What you want to yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> I, honestly, like I wasn't sure because the way they are talking about it in minicamp, I don't know if that was like his real first taste of football, but um, – Kelvin Shepard was like, look, if he's not one of the best two guys, he's not going to be on the field. Like, it's, yeah. it's that simple. Like, we'll True, have him out but... there as a reserve, but he won't be a starter. And the way they were talking up Derek Barnes, you're like, well, we'll see. And then camp started and Derek Barnes was out there with the Anzalone. You're like, all right, that's continuing over from minicamp. And then probably halfway through the first week, uh, maybe a little later than that, uh, they started plugging out Campbell out there. And at first it was like, you go out there for, you know, Seven on sevens with right Angelo. to see what happens, and then we'll yeah, right. yeah just see what happens, and then then it became okay. Now you're going out there for eleven on elevens, and now you're the first guy out there. Now you're staying on the field longer, and it's sort of become this gradual thing where I think that's your starting linebacker duo, Jack Campbell and Alex Anzalone, which is what you want to see from your first round pick. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's it's good to see nonetheless. Um, on the outside corner, you know we still know Emmanuel Mosley is working his way back, so that was Jerry Jacobs and Cam Sutton. Um, at safety, we had Kirby Joseph and Cedar Gardner Johnson, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. And at nickel was Brian Branch. Okay, so that now was that's the first team defense out there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm saying. So, yes. Right. Now, so the takeaway there would be that Brian Branch has jumped Tracy Walker. And the situation is, I mean, because you got to look at it as a trio, I think. Kirby. Yep. CJ are locked in, and then the third safety is either Tracy or Brian Branch. Yeah. That is well, I don't know if we can say he's jumped him, but like because at least he's got he's up there with him. He's up there with him. How about yeah. So here here's how I view that. They like Gardner Johnson at safety and nickel. Yeah, so of I think so there will be pack, there'll, right. there'll be packages where you have Gardner Johnson at nickel and then Kirby and Tracy are your safeties. And that, that might be the base defense still at this point. Mm-hmm. Um but there will also be packages where Tracy comes off the field. The one guy that's never really leaving, um, I guess, CJ and and Kirby. Kirby's not, Kirby's always on the field no matter what. Correct. Uh, the, Tracy and Branch are the two interchangeable ones. Yeah. Um, because they'll put Branch at nickel, move Gardner Johnson to safety, Kirby's out there at free safety, and those are the three back there. So I like those looks because – Brian Branch is a sure tackler. I think he had like a 2.4 missed tackle rate, which was like one of the lowest in college football. Uh, he's really effective as a blitzer, you know, coming around the edge. 
you can do a lot of different things for him. You can create a package for him. And he's been playing so well in, pra- in practice that they're looking for ways to get him on the field. So I think that's one way. The other thing with Tracy, I think they wanted him. They, they had him out there with the second team defense um, for a little bit. I think part of that is, one, getting him some reps and making, making sure that he's still, you know, he's mm-hmm. coming off an injury. You want to get him some reps regardless. Uh, and two, if he is out for a little bit. Uh, so they needed, you know, probably some experience back there at safety. So they had Savion Smith and Tracy with the second team safeties. So I think it's a little bit of both. You know, they're trying to mix and match some guys. But also, they like both of those looks. They like what Tracy can give them at safety. They like what Branch can give them at nickel. So right. they'll interchange like that. So that's what I, th- I thought was interesting, the secondary mat- um, mi- the secondary matchups back there. And then the fact that they had Pascal at defensive tackle alongside Aleem. I love that look. Aiden, Charles Harris, Aleem, Pascal. I yeah. like that a lot. It might not be their base, but they definitely want to get him some reps out there. So, And they had you know Broderick Martin coming in every now and then. They had Kaminsky doing his thing. And you're looking around, and you're like, all right, they can kind of mix and match some of these pieces based on the looks that they're getting from the offense and – they're ready to go. Like that defense really held their own against the second team offense, against the first team offense. Did not matter who they put in front of them. Like they were really locked in. Pascal um, is the guy. Like he's the guy I think is probably getting overlooked a lot because when I the first day of camp and I even including by me uh, because so many people are focused on like Aiden is so much bigger now, right? He gained he, he changed his body. It's yeah. thicker and stronger, and he's cut and all this. Um, but the other guy who changed and Aleem changed his body. Right, we saw he's smaller, right, and all yep. this. But Pascal also changed his body, and he is looks like a superhero type thing. He's jacked up, like he is. Yep. Like I saw him get in the cold tub right after Aiden got in, the, and I was like, oh my god! Like Pascal looks almost as impressive as uh, Aiden does at this point. Like, uh, yep. and it wasn't like he was a non-impressive guy to begin with, but like last year he had all those injuries, and I. I feel like the guy that we saw, even when he first got his first taste, was still like kind of like a undersized slash pudgier version of what we were gonna get. And now he is like sculpted. <laughs> There's like no body fat at all. And this is like, weird. and if you go back to what made him at Kentucky and why he was a big deal and why people were willing to take the ride with him, it was the versatility number one. But it was also like he is tough as shit. That guy will play through anything and like will take and doesn't stop. So. The fact that he bought into, we need to see if you can be a three tech and like more than just a little bit, more than just on rushdowns, you know, while also maintaining the ability to get in there, like that could unlock a lot for him and the whole defense really, because I don't know how much he can do it, but like you said, Colton, they're rotating. You got guys that can come in, you know, so you don't hate it. No. And I think the way to maximize really snap distribution for this, like the edge group that they have and some of the defensive tackles is... By mixing and matching and moving guys inside and out, mm-hmm. um, I mean I saw there there were looks where Aiden was on one side and Pascal was on the other, and then they do like an outside run, and Pascal's set in the edge, he's containing and yep. like funneling things back to the middle for the linebackers, which is like awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like that's what they drafted him to do. And then you see him move inside and he's generating some pressure from the interior. And like exactly, if this guy is playing like this, like you said, he can unlock a whole new aspect of this defense that they just didn't have a year ago. That they didn't really have the the personnel, the bodies, the depth. They have it now, and it's really cool to see. Um, we know Kaminsky can do some of that. Um, you know, the fact that Project Martin is just blowing stuff up in the middle now. He's just so yeah. big and so strong that yeah. I think I had, a, I, I had him getting a pressure on Jared Goff um, on a swing pass to 
David Montgomery that Goff was just so kind of thrown off by the immediate pressure in his face from Broderick Martin that it was a bad throw and fell for an incompletion. On the very next play after that, I had Broderick tossing Jonah Jackson in the, in the interior and getting a <laughs> TFL David Montgomery. So, again, it's like they yeah. can get some pass rush in the middle from, from Pascal. They can get some sort of this disruptive force from from Project Martin if you can give them some snaps like that every every now and then in games and you kind of look around the defense you're like they are first of all there's so much young talent on this defense that's actually starting to come through and then you're like again they're very versatile and they can kind of mix and match and interchange these pieces and it's starting to come together man I'm, I'm telling you like the secondary the defensive line that's sort of going to be the strength I think um yeah of this group but when those two are working in harmony it is a beautiful thing out there so I think Broderick Martin is like where Aline kind of was at the beginning of his first camp. Like if I can remember back, like it was okay. pretty similar where you were like, he's in there a lot and like he's making plays every time he's in there. And you just told yourself, okay, well, why is it happening? Well, two things for Aline. The offensive line wasn't as good back then, uh, but it was still <laughs> solid. I mean, he was still beating Frank and Jonah. And stuff, and you were like, "What's happening here?" And then, so you thought about it, and you're like, "Okay, well, Aline had the foot speed and the stuff that guys his size just don't normally have." And so you're like, "Maybe they'll get used to it, and in a week or two, that'll go away, and he'll fall back to the." Be- and he did not. It, nothing. They got used to nothing. It was. It was all. You know, he just was a menace the whole camp. And so that's where I'm at with Martin. And it's like, okay, he, you know, he's got the freaky length and the size to go with it. Clearly, the length is bothering these guys, and like they haven't been able to adjust to it yet. And my question now is, let's see what... I think he's probably going to go in there and knock some people's ass on the ground against New York, because they're not going to be ready, <laughs> ready for that either, because yeah. they've never seen him. But yeah. my question will be, is like in two weeks, what's that going to look like? Will if, if they go live in camp in two weeks, are, are, are we going to see more adjustments? Is he going to fade? you know, Or are we going to see this continue? And if we see it continue... Then I mean, part of the That's reason I want, yeah, part of the reason why I wondered, like, AG uh, Glenn got hot at the media there on Monday a little bit, as hot as he's ever going to get, uh, about like oh talking about talking about how <laughs> y'all need to stop writing that Martin is starting or whatever, and like all this because we're rotating and this that, and the other, and it's like okay, man, but like if you keep him in. Bro, he was practicing with the first team for like three days in a row. What do you want wonder, us to write, man? Have you guys talked to him yet, Martin? Has he been available? Uh, not at the podium. No, I want. I want is to get him pretty, off the side. Is he pretty confident? Days. Is he a confident guy? Do we know? Is he like a? Uh, he's, he's humble. Oh, is he humble? Uh, he, so he, I was wondering he has, if he, he was has not a really a good personality. Guy. He has a really good personality, though. I'll say that. Like, okay, if he's good. He'll be an instant fan. Well, he'll let you know. Okay, that's probably why. Then that's yeah. probably why Ag's like, okay, let's not, because that was really wasn't McNeil. He's not like that at all. And I think no. that they they were like, I guess it was a different time too. They were all about it when McNeil took off. They were like, oh my god, Twinkle Toes. They were like, this guy's the best. <laughs> well, because they, they didn't have anything back then, and too. they didn't have anything. <laughs> is right. So I, I do. That's probably part of it too. So man, yeah, Broderick Martin looks good. There's no other way to say that. Hey, uh, Aaron Glenn yeah. can get mad all he wants that we're writing listen, it, but it's happening. <laughs> this is this is Aaron Glenn. If you're listening to this, this is our perspective of it. Okay, like we're out there trying to give the fans little updates on what's happening. If you right. write that a guy is getting some first team reps, we're not necessarily saying he's going to start. It's too early to kind of make these declarations. Well, people that's need like to make 99% sure that that's of the media in there. But correct, I agree. Yeah, yeah. 99% of the media, it should be known that like we're not saying these guys are going to be full-time stars. Unless we are explicitly saying 
a guy like Sam Laporta, for me, I'm like, okay, there's no way you're, this guy's not starting at this point. He's with the first team every single day. He's with the first team every single time they're out there. Yeah. He, there's, you're not taking him off the field. He's going to start unless you just really want to get him all these reps right now. I don't see what, what's the point of doing that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to be a starter. Uh, a guy like Project Martin or Brian Branch, like we have all of us in the media, I think the main beat dudes have really said they're getting first team reps. Doesn't mean they're going to be a starter, but yeah. it's encouraging to see that these guys are working their yeah, way they can hang. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's all we're trying to say. We're, we're not declaring mm-hmm. starters for the most part. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just no, want to put that out there. Hundred percent, I agree with that. <laughs> he's uh, most certainly not listening to this, Aaron. Going what? No, he's busy. <laughs> what? What did you see on the uh, offensive side? Uh, if you flip it around, like that's probably a little easier to predict uh, in terms of stuff. But what did you see there? I mean, particularly, have you seen anything from Sorsdal, uh beyond? I saw him out there Friday, Monday, whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, just general offensive stuff from the scrimmage. Yeah. So Frank. Ragnow is not out there right now. I think he's expecting a child to come. Oh, from. his wife very probably nice. is pregnant. That's the Frank. Um, yeah. Uh, so because of that, you see, you saw Graham move over to center. Um, mm-hmm. Vitae's playing right guard, but Vitae's kind of, you know, he's healthy. He's out there, but I think they're trying to limit his reps a little bit. Just kind of be cautious with them. For so sure. I think Sorzdal got a few first team snaps at right guard. Um, so that's that's an encouraging sign that mm-hmm. he's probably the next guy up there on that on that pecking order. But I will say, overall, I don't think the Lions are too pleased with their offensive line depth right now, um, mm-hmm. outside of their starting group. Yeah, because Campbell was asked like, you know, what have you seen from those guys? And he basically said, I mean, we're waiting for some guys to step up. It's really nothing too positive, nothing too negative right now. But like, no one's really separated from the pack in that yeah. second wave, See which that. is what they're looking for. And he said that I think a week ago or something like that. Like, um. So I, I would imagine that some guys, probably Sorzdal specifically, have started to emerge, which is good to see. Um, but man, like, I don't really think it's a fair fight with the second team front four that they're putting out there. Like, when you're going against a guy like Romeo Quara and like James Houston and Pascal and uh, Kaminsky sometimes, like those guys can start for teams around the NFL. I know. And that's like the second unit for the Lions defensive line. I know. So they're just way further ahead than the Lions second team offensive line. So it's like... I think I had in my note, I think I had like Sudfeld sack three times in a span of five plays in the scrimmage yesterday. Uh, it's just not fair right now. So yeah, you, you do want to see those guys goes. step up a little yeah. bit more, but it's probably always going to be like that a little bit, especially yeah. with the depth that the defensive line has right now. So Sorzel right. is, look, is looking good. He's coming along. He's doing what you want to do. You're not expecting much of him this year other than to be a guy right. that's ready when called upon, if, if he's called upon. Um, but... In terms of where he's at in his development, I think he's making some strides for a rookie and probably set himself up for some playing time for next year. So when I watched him the first day of pads, then again on Monday, two things I was encouraged by. One, he's playing guard right off shoot. He was a tackle yep. in college, and he's had no problem sliding in there and just being a guard. Whatever you want me to do, yes, sir, I'll do it. Like That's number one. That That's a bad sign, in my opinion, when you get a rookie offensive lineman in who – can only play one spot and just is like, I can't do anything else. Like, okay, well, now we're screwed. Like, what are we going to, you know, like, well, you're not better than our starter, odds are, so I don't know what to do here. So, you know, like, that's number one. He was able to go in at a different spot right away, translated the way that you wanted him to see it. Uh, And he didn't look like a fish out of water. Number two is what you said, Colton. Like, there wasn't anything positive or negative. He was hanging in is the best thing I could describe it. Um, He was not doing anything that I would say was overly impressive. I didn't see him do any 
serious people moving. I didn't see him pave anybody or do anything crazy. Like, if I can go back to, like, Jonah Jackson's first camp, he was doing that on the first, like, day or two of pads. Yeah. So, like, it's not that. Um, but at the same time, it's better than Logan by quite a bit if for Lions context. And I think mm-hmm. it's about what you want because, you know, if you're D- Campbell, you're probably disappointed that some of the older guys haven't been able to just outperform him because you're like, he's... The, how I would say it is he was not getting in one-on-one pass rush reps, for example, like against the starters and stuff, like anybody who they line up against. He was not getting embarrassed. Like there was no, there was none of the, he's not getting tossed or just like, oh my God, what is happening here? Like he got beat certainly a few times, but he won his share as well. And the ones that he got beat on, he made the guy work for it. So like, he seems like he's got a really positive attitude too. Like I think the guys like him. Um and the, it's another one of these guys that I think the Lions have soft spots for these guys to take a chance on that nobody else, you know, at least they, they don't think it's a chance, but like not a lot of people had sourced all very high, as we know. Yeah. Um, Martin, too. Yeah. Martin, too. But like I I was encouraged by what I saw from Colby Sourcedal. I, I don't know how much further I can go than that, but like frankly, that's about all you need, like you said. I mean, so some yep. people had asked about him, but I think that and we told them we had to wait and see until pads come on. I haven't seen him look overwhelmed, and I haven't seen him come off the field looking like he's on planet Mars, which I'm telling you folks, like if you've never been to a training camp, if you watch some of these offensive linemen walk off after the first couple days, they look like they're going to, where can I go find the nearest trash can to throw up in? My life is (laughs) over. Everything I've planned for is, you know what I mean? Because that's really hard. It's like, it's not easy. And he's hung in there. And I, I think that that's got to be encouraging. So when I hear Campbell say, not a lot of positive, not a lot of negative. I still think that's a good thing for Colby Sorstall. I think that's a that means that he's right in there. It means if you're going out there for the second team, he's probably part of it, which is good. I I'd imagine if you ask Campbell specifically about Sorstall, he, he would, would say, yeah, right. He would say he's starting to come on a little bit. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a question for the next presser. That was. And good I will to see, say, yeah. uh, I would love to see Sorstall. I'll be watching him in joint practices just to see how he holds up against Absolutely. over there. Like, Another that, team. That'll be fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That'll be a big one for him and Broderick, like we talked about, where it's like, I expect him to kind of go out there and surprise some guys. But if he doesn't, you know, maybe on day three, right? Maybe that's a good, yeah. you know, is he not beating somebody up on day three? So anyway, the rest of the offense. Yeah, yeah uh, Laporta, we mentioned him a little bit, but I don't see how he's not a week one starter. He's mm-hmm. one of the things that impressed me the most about Sam. And there are a lot of things. Um, he had a catch that I think the Lions tweeted out yesterday that was – a little bit behind him uh, as he's running his right. maybe like a post route in the middle, and he kind of turns his turns turns behind himself and like catches the ball with two hands and right. then spins and then keeps running perfect stride. And you're like, this is a tight. He's doing like wide receiver things as a tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't look like a tight end when he's running. They had him out lined up outside, probably outside left. They had Alex Anzalone guarding him like one on one on the outside. He <laughs> won that easily. That was funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you're watching the and you're just like, this guy looks like he's been in the league for five years now. Like he does not look like a rookie tight end, which most rookie tight ends look like rookie tight ends. So the fact that he doesn't look like one, the fact that they trust him with the first team offense and he's passed up Brock Wright and James Mitchell and all these other guys, he's the most talented tight end on the roster. And I wrote that yesterday. So I think the, the Lions understand that. That's why they drafted him. And he's going to be out there week one. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when they're out, they're going to be missing JMO against the Chiefs, and you got to score some points to kind of hang with the team like that. So, 
they understand that he's one of their best weapons off offensively. So he's going to be out there. I, I don't know how many times I can say that, but yeah, Laporte is tight end one, like clearly. Huge test for him, Mitchell, and Brock Wright in those practices next week when they get the run game going. Because, like, Laporta has been a little limited um, in pads, with pads, I I suppose, uh, early on anyway. And I wouldn't say that I've seen him not blocking, right? I think he's been fine. I think that all the tight ends have probably held their own. But I haven't seen anything yet where I'm like, oh, whoa. Like, what you know, so, like... I do want to see them against another team. I do want to see when when they really because that's the other thing too. When some of these, if you're going to have the scrimmage practices, those you know that I mean you saw those last year. They're going to go live, live. They're going to get in there eleven on eleven and go at it. And like it's not going to be oh, yeah. anybody holding anything back. It's not going to be ninety five percent. It's going to be hundred point zero zero. We're trying to make some money, man. People They're are trying, trying to make some money. Some money. That's one hundred percent correct. Uh, yeah, because that's the biggest time for all those guys to go out there and compete. So. I'm curious to see what that looks like. Uh, are you going to be able to bring it on those days and be a functional part of the run game? Because if the answer for Laporta is yes, then he is going to be terrific as a rookie because yeah. he's going to be able to catch the ball. Like, I think that we know that. He's going to be yeah. a fine pass catcher here um, if that's what they want him to be. But they're also going to need him to be, you know, the dual threat. And this is a big uh, week upcoming for him, I'd say, because. Yeah, I mean, I, it's exactly what you want so far, though. Uh, right on, right on schedule. Yeah, nothing phases that dude. I'll say that. Um, no, he, he'll take contact, bounce right back up. Uh, golf, Campbell too. Well, golf targets him. The, the only, yeah, yeah, the only guy that um, golf probably targets more than him is St. Brown, and that's saying <laughs> a lot because he targets St. Brown a lot. But uh, Laporte is number two. Like golf loves him. He's looking his way all the time. He actually. Probably forced the ball downfield during the scrimmage that got kind of tipped and picked by, uh, uh, I think Derek Barnes might have tipped it and Savion Smith came down with it on the first first team offense, second team defense was the first kind of grouping that they had out there. And Laporta just got right back up and was like, well, all right, well, we'll get him next time. Like he has a sort of like unflappable mindset. Yeah. He's like a little a human like puppy. Like he just <laughs> goes out he there, just happened to be out there playing football and never yeah. stops and came back out there and made a couple of catches. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how he's not a week one starter and I think he's gonna be a good player for years to come. It's just the physicality part. You want to see more of like get his nose yes. in there. I, he's, he's willing to do it. He can take contact. Um, but yeah, I agree. Getting him in a setting against another team will be pretty fascinating. I think my final, like my takeaway from the, the two days that I was out there in full pads and I wanted to watch those first couple where they really hit. Cause I've always tried to go out there for those first few and compare them historically, right? Like this is clearly and by a lot, the deep, the deepest uh, roster Campbell has brought into a camp. Um, like I do think that there are guys on this team that are probably going to get cut that could make another 53. I don't know if that'll happen, but I think that there are guys here that are talented enough to do it. Uh, like that's the difference. And, when I look at this team, that's, I mean, I'd be shocked if we don't see that translate through to a degree next week in those practices. That's not, I mean, in years past, I would have been like, oh God, they're going to get, they are going to get the sh- embarrassed. Like the, you know, like just the one year they didn't do anything. God, obviously probably by design because it would have been a disaster uh, the first yeah. year because they would have gotten humiliated. Like it would have been, what is happening out here? That's not the case anymore. This is a competitive team that's confident in itself. And I just see, I see so much more depth. I see, frankly, I see NFL depth now. I see a team, uh, this is an NFL playoff caliber roster. 
that has depth where if somebody gets hurt somewhere, it's not like, oh my god, what in the hell are they going to do? And if that somebody is like a random player who's not like a superstar, you should be able to replace those guys. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, yep. you just mentioned the safeties. That's four mm-hmm. safeties right there that we that we say, you, I'd be fine if those guys had to do it, you know, or whatever. And I didn't yep. even talk about Savion in that, you know, like beyond that. So like we in Iffy, we haven't even mentioned him. Like there's real depth on the team at this point that I think that the 53 is not going to be, I don't think it's going to feature anybody that got a free ride. And I think in the in previous years that's probably happened because they've tried to keep draft mm-hmm. picks that probably didn't deserve it in any other circumstance. I don't think that's going to happen this year at all. It's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. A cut down, ready, ready to go team. So I, that's that's where I'm at with it. I don't know your context isn't, isn't as deep, but like I've haven't seen a lot uh, that I haven't been encouraged by so far out there. Even like last year when you're like, oh well, maybe they'll keep this guy. Yeah, he sucks on defense, but maybe they'll keep him just because he can play a little special teams. Like there will there will not be any of those guys this year. Really. Like <laughs> all, every guy they'll keep, even like defensively for special teams, will be like, no, we yeah, he has to play. play him in a game if if if, you, if we need him. Like he will mm-hmm. be out there, but he also needs to be able to play special teams. A guy like Denzel Mims did not play special teams in New York. His ass is out there well, on every now. special teams yeah. unit now. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they need him to do that if he if he's going to make this roster. So. Um, these are guys that you'd be comfortable trotting out there for, you know, some, a couple of plays, a series, or you know, whatever. Um, but they also need to be strong on special teams, and that's sort of that's sort of the measure for me. It's like, you know, guys like Bobby Price, exactly. And like, that's a great point. You know, some of these other dudes, like you know, mm-hmm. those guys aren't around anymore for a reason. So, mm-hmm. I think the roster is stronger top to bottom. I actually think the the cut down projections that we'll be doing might be actually a little easier in some ways. I thought they might be harder, but. It's going to be easier because right. these yeah. roles are so defined now. It's mm-hmm. like a guy like Shane Zilstra is probably a tough one for me, but, you know, he had the injury that was unfortunate and, you know, reverted to IR. I'm trying to think like a guy like Julian, he might be a tough cut. We'll Julian see what happens with him. Maybe didn't sound maybe good he's a trade the, candidate. The AG answer that he got asked about Julian earlier this week. And yeah. He, yeah. His immediate response was, nobody gets grandfathered in here. I'm like, oh, well, yeah. that's not a good sign for Julian. <laughs> yeah, it's like so. If he gets cut, we'll know the signs. Yeah, right. right. Like we'll we'll yeah. have seen them. So I actually think the roster projections might be a little easier this year, which is yeah, good for maybe. us. But that's yeah. I think that's a product of the roster coming along and and how strong it is compared to you know years past, where you're trying to figure out well, do they want to take a chance on a young guy that might be something versus like this veteran that's good on special teams? Like those questions yeah. are kind of few and far between now. We know what they like. We know the roster they're trying to build and what they're trying to do with it. So. Again, yeah, I think it's a product of, of the kind of the talent they acquired over the years. I agree. Well, I think that'll do it for this week. Unless you got anything else, sir, Colton. Uh, I think that should wrap us. And I think next week we can come back, probably do this again on Friday if we want, uh, after the uh, three scrimmage days or after the three practice days. So that'll be yep. good to reset where we're at, see if anything surprises or anything changes before that first preseason game. But, hey, uh, football has returned. We had a game last oh, it's night. it's back, baby. It is it's back, back all the way. We have... We had uh, Kellen Mond versus Zach Wilson last the, night. We're so bad, the all, baby. <laughs> the All-22 is filtering out as we speak, so it's all good. Right? We're back in action, and we'll be back on a weekly pace here for the rest of the way. So uh, thanks again to Colton. Uh, thanks again, everybody listening. Uh, for Colton, I'm Nick. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you later.